Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. We are on episodes 39 and 40. We're going doing two episodes today as we prepare for the upcoming season. This first episode will be between uh, we'll be featuring 1A and 2A teams, the top teams, or at least our opinion of the top teams. And then the second episode will be uh, the 3A and 4A teams. Joining us as always this week is Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Uh, another good week up here in the north. Got a little snow today. Just south really? of us, yeah, around Plymouth and Warsaw area. Luckily, nothing up this far in South Bend yet. Fingers crossed that stays away. Well, from the, the Florida of Indiana, we've got Barney O'Neill joining us from southern Indiana. He's the, the father of Keegan O'Neill, who graduated from Bar Reeve and, and is now uh, a freshman at southern Indiana. Barney, how have you been? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you guys doing well, I hope. Yeah, well, there's snow up north, so... Right. Winter's <laughs> coming. That's crap. I'm not ready for snow it, yet. It is. We're, we, it's rained the last two days here, so. Yeah, we're getting rained. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, COVID and weather update. Zach and I usually spend <laughs> about two minutes talking about COVID and how it's impacting daily schedules and things like that. We're, uh, it, you know, we're route ready to start the basketball season and, and, there seems to be like every time there seems to be a, a crack showing that we may not have games or that, that we may have some alterations. It, we just keep chugging along. Don't we I, for better or for worse? Yeah. Everybody, anybody. Well, um, it's, it, it, it seems like a lot of teams now, even though they're going to distance learning, I think a few of the athletic programs are actually getting to continue to practice. So I think that's a positive yeah. in the situation. And we, and Zach and I have touched on these topics almost every podcast, especially once we started playing back in June. But there doesn't seem to be much evidence showing that it's transmitted in, in the bursts of interactions that take place athletically. It, you know, and I'm by no means an expert. I've, I've read and know way too much about viral load than I ever cared to. <laughs> Um, it's about like when you have a friend who's ill and you, you learn way more about their illness than you'd ever, th you know, think you would of a friend or a family member, but, but, you know, there have been some studies and the, the biggest one is the sec. There just doesn't seem to be any indication that athletes on the floor are at, are at risk or certainly at a greater risk. Now, wrestling may be different, but, you know, basketball, I don't, yeah. You know, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any any indication that these guys are going to get sick playing the sport. They're more likely to get sick by being a locker room with somebody who's sick or, or somebody well, in the stands. I mean, if you look at it, volleyball completed a whole season, and I don't think there were many, many games canceled or postponed whatsoever during that season. Right. So, and football, I mean, if, if look, if, if 
if we have a, a basketball season like we had the football season, I think most people will consider that a, a big success. Anybody agree, Zach? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say if we get 10 to 12 games in a season, you'll be good for a team. I'm hoping for more than that. But... I'm hoping for more than that too, but I'm <laughs> – Zach, let's get going with our offers and commitments for the week. We're going to rifle through these faster than normal because we've got to get to these previews and and give the people what they want. Yes. Got a couple commitments this week and a handful of offers. Uh, Trey Flat from Covenant Christian in Indianapolis uh, was offered by Trinity Christian. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Um, Isaiah Swope down at Castle had a couple junior college offers this week's Southwestern Illinois and Lincoln Trail. Then we had Vinny Butella, also a Trinity Christian offer. Mason Brooks, Cornerstone offer. Keon Thompson, who's now down in Florida Prep School, got a Florida Gulf Coast offer. Tate Avano, an Anderson offer. And Cam Brown from University got an Elmhurst offer. Our two commitments this week, we had Andrew Croft from Richmond, uh, West Texas offer, Western Texas and then, no surprise, Blake Wesley from South Bend Riley committed to Notre Dame. Any surprises on Wesley's commitment? To, I mean, we to Notre Dame. None. None. Yeah, none. It's boring. Nope. I mean, could he? Would he have gone to Purdue? I mean, he's. Not, you know, anything I heard was was strictly Notre Dame. Once once IU was off the table. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And I had a couple people say they were surprised IU wasn't a, a top top six. Well, yeah, but I, I do think they backed off a little bit. I don't, and I don't know any reason why, other than the possibly other than the fact that you know there are three main recruits. I mean, all four of their recruits for this year, for twenty twenty, are perimeter players, right? So, could just be a reassessment of priorities. And I, I know that, I mean, Indiana is looking at bigger guards, point guards for. 2021 but I don't think they're going to be too aggressive if they can't land the guy that fits kind of what the size profile they're looking for sure um and even 2022 they're kind of aiming at bigger guards which is I mean they've not offered Leland Walker yet but anyway all right man 1a let's let's roll this out so this is what we're going to do we're gonna we've got a list of sort of maybe our rankings probably more put together by me and we're going to go through team by team. And these guys, Zach and Barney are going to talk about the teams in their neck of the woods. I'm going to talk about the teams in my neck of the woods. We're going to maybe have some discussion as we go along. And then at the end of each class, we're going to throw in some teams we think should be in there. Uh, maybe even in lieu of another team. I don't know, but we're going to start at one a right now. We've only got 14 teams I'm going to start. We're going to rattle through these first few pretty quickly, but Seton Catholic, I've got them 14th in the class. And, and, you know, mostly it's the strength of Jake Moynihan, who's one of the best rebounders in the state. He's developing a perimeter game or at least a face-up game. And a kid that Zach and I have talked an awful lot about in different contexts where his motor just translates and at any level, I mean, he would be valuable to any of these schools in the state. And, and he's just a load at the one, a level and, and if they get any guard play at all, the, Jake is the kind of kid that really could put them in a, in a contention for a state championship. He's that good. Uh, but I don't know about the rest of the supporting cast. And, and some of that is out of ignorance. Uh, 
And, and some of that is just because they've had some kids that, you know, they played some seniors last year and I'm not sure they got a chance to shine. So Barney, have you come across Moynihan at all in, in just following Keegan around the last you know, few years? I, I haven't, I haven't heard anything of him in which, you know, normally when you're on the AAU circuit or, or whatever you hear about those kids, but he's, you know, I'm not even seeing anything on Twitter about him. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. I mean, they, obviously they just had a guy get drafted Desmond, Desmond Bain. So, right. You know, they, right. You know, and there were some doubts on him and, and a lot of it was because he was going to drastically have to change his game to play at a higher level. He was, the ball really stuck with him at, at Seton and just a completely different player at, in college than what he was in high school. And, and, you know, and I'm not, that's not projecting Jake by any stretch of the imagination, but, but they've never been in the situation where they've been able to string two of these really good players together. You know, mm-hmm. it'd been, been nice if they could pair, could have paired Desmond with somebody. So it wasn't just a one man thing. They had a couple of kids who could shoot, but really it was Desmond. And now with Jake, it's kind of the same thing. They've got table setters who got him the ball, but, but for the most part, it's kind of been him carrying the full load. So moving up to Covington, Covington, uh, they finally broke through last year and won their sectional beating Lafayette central Catholic, which is something that hadn't happened in, I don't know what, 15 years, something like that. And 14, yeah, I mean, it was some ridiculous number like that. Yeah. And they graduate two of their guys. So they're, they probably, you know, they're going to have to prove they're going to be as potent. They've got a new coach coming in this year, Sean Busick from Zionsville, who, who does a very good job of, of incorporating role players in, into his system. If he does the same stuff he did, did at Zionsville, they'll, they'll run some ball screen motion, uh, which will get, you know, Logan Pinkerton some opportunities and, and they've got, um, they've got, a, a, you know, an, an additional six foot four inch, you know, um, got to look up his name here real quick. Um, already lost my way. Um, you know, Savion Waddell is going to be a kid. I apologize for not having that on the tip of my tongue. It's going to be a kid that provides them some size. Um, but, you know, for them to return to what they had last year, because they, they I mean, they had three kids who could really stroke it. And I'm sure they're going to have kids that come up that can be with Logan because I think he's he's primed to have a big senior year. So, um, Zach, you have, you hadn't seen any of those kids yet. Nope. Have you seen Logan at all during the trip at Lafayette? Uh, I, I, if I did, I don't remember him. I can't remember who he played with this. Or he played for one of the um, one of the Indiana Ice teams, so. Okay, so yeah, I didn't see the ice teams at all. Barney, tell us a little bit about West Washington. Uh, West Washington, you know, they've been on the the rise as far as basketball goes. They're traditionally a football school, but they were seventeen and eight last year. You know, lost to Crothersville in the sectional championship, which you know Crothersville had this historic run. But it depends on you know Bobby Stevens is back, Jacob Strange is back. What can they put around it? Um, I know they had some size in there, and I don't know the kid's name, but he was a monster. He was like 6'5 or 6'6, 250. So I don't know if they've got the size to go along with the guard play, forward play, to uh, put it together again this year. Is that um, – oh, man, who was I looking at here? 
Was that Bozeman, Holden Bozeman? No, Bozeman's a, a smaller kid, uh, probably more of a guard. No, but I mean, he's their, he's their best player coming back, correct? Oh, yeah, Bozeman's their yeah. best coming back. So, okay. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what can you put around Bozeman? You know, can these guys step up and, and score the points along with Oh, Bozeman? I see. What you, yeah, you, you mentioned them. Second. Yeah. My fault. All right, my fault. Yeah, sorry. Um, Lafayette Central Catholic, they're next on our list. And, and you know, this will be them. Them not returning as sectional champs, like I said, is a, is a new thing for them. And so look for them to have a bounce back year. They, I mean, they definitely have some guys coming back. They've, they've got um, Clark Barrett, who played a big role for them last year as he got healthy after football. That's Carson Barrett's younger brother. A.J. Bordenay, who's a kid who can shoot and handle the ball and does a lot of things for them. And, you know, then they've, they've always got those collection of multi-sport players who come in and provide, you know, athleticism for their varsity team. They prob- they're not going to be as well regarded as they have in the past. Uh, but, you know, I would look for them to bounce back because that sectional that they're in, Attica, Clinton Central, Covington obviously will be a challenge. Faith Christian, North Vermillion, those schools just haven't been able to do much other than, you know, maybe beat each other during the course of the season. And I don't want to say it's been a cakewalk for LCC, but of late, it's really just been Covington that's uh, that's been able to challenge him lately. So anybody seen LCC? I mean, most of those kids don't play a whole lot of basketball outside of Lafayette in the summer even. Yeah, I did not. You know, I feel kind of the same way about Morristown. I do LCC. You kind of figure they're going to have, you know, they're going to be able to figure out to get extra pieces around Kyle Krim. Kyle was those guy was one of those guys that he was a, a, a freshman on their state championship team. You know, and he was a kid that came up and last year had a had a really big year for them. And look for him to continue to do that. Um, what what Morristown lacks, though, as they always seem to lack, is size. So if, if they're going to get anywhere deep in the tournament, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that because basically once we get past – once you start getting up into the big boys, uh, they start having all kinds of size issues uh, matching up. So, uh, Which brings us to Gary 21st Century. Zach. Yeah, so Gary 21st. They lost a uh, big player last year, Johnny Davis. Uh they actually had a, quite a few seniors as well, but they're bringing back DJ Moss. Well, DJ Moss was gone. Is that what we, we decided? Yeah, so here's, the, so here's the thing with DJ. He, tra- he was a kid at uh, – he was at Portage during middle school um, along with Kamari and Kamari Slaughter. And then he transferred out to um, – he transferred to Plainfield, Illinois. And I don't, I don't remember which school he went to there. They've got three or four high schools in Plainfield. But then he transferred back this, this summer and enrolled in 21st Century at Gary. And there were some questions with whether or not he would be ready to play this season. Some of it was eligibility issues just involving transferring. And the other part of it was uh, surgery. He had an off-season surgery that he has since re- uh, fully recovered from. And the report is he's just looking off the charts good. So, Zach, you're going to get a chance to see him tomorrow night. Or, yeah, yeah tomorrow night, right? Yeah, definitely. Tomorrow night I'll be over there. Uh, but, yeah, back to back to Gary 21st. 
Uh, so they have DJ Moss back, a uh, couple other guys, Takari Jones, Eric Price, Quentin Floyd are some names I've seen. Uh, their sectional is tough. They're in Morgan Township sectional. We're going to talk a little bit about those as well. Uh, and they, they play Couts. And we'll, I'll get to Couts here in a little bit. But uh, those two have been battling it out the last couple of years for sectional championships. But, uh, but Gary 21st looks like they're, they're reloaded. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. The, the Moss kid is, is just a fantastic score. So, I mean, I look for him to have big numbers. Now, defensively, he's, he's got some work to do. We've actually talked about him in the past in, in that context as well. So, I mean, they're going to be like they normally are, which is they're going to look to put a lot of points on the board and, and just outscore people. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. So, uh, Liberty Christian checking in at number eight for us. And, and for, from that standpoint, Christian Dunn, is their big gun. He is a dynamic six foot three inch wing kid whose outside shots improve pretty, pretty much each year. And, and, and just a, a wonderful athlete who can create plays, get downhill and certainly a, a very good defender. And now pieces to go with them. You know, last year they had Josh Cabello that is returning. Um, I guess we're just talking about guys that are returning for this year. Uh, Josh Cabello is definitely a kid that, you know, look for his production to increase. And if they've, I mean, they did pick up a move in from Anderson high school, Eric Troutman, who's a six foot two inch uh, guard who started for Anderson much of the year last year. I am not sure yet. I've not been able to confirm what his eligibility status is, but if he's capable of playing, that's going to be another weapon for them. And, and they're going to be, they're going to look to make a lot of noise. That gets us to Couts, Zach. Yeah, so Couts has, uh, from what I counted, seven seniors this year, uh, headlined by the Wireman boys, twins. Uh, and then they have another set of twins also that are pretty tough, the Knifel brothers. Uh, like I mentioned earlier with Gary 21st, those two are going to see each other probably in sectionals uh, as the sectional winners, I would think, either one yeah, of those was... teams. That was the big matchup last year. Of course, yep. Gary 21st yep. Century won that, right? Yeah, 84-68, they won that. Yeah. So uh, Morgan Township may be the other team in that sectional with Tate Avano, and then he's got a, a teammate also, another junior, a Lesko kid. But uh, I, I'd see those two coming out of that sectional, either one of those from, from up here. Yeah, well, and – Keep the Tate Avanio thing in the back of your head because I think we're going to throw out some kids' names that, yep, yep, especially seniors that we think need to get, we need to have some highlight on them. Even because just because their team's not part of this mix doesn't mean that we're, uh, you know, not considering them. So right, and that brings us back to you, Zach, with Lakewood Park. Lakewood Park, I don't know much about other than Caden Bontrager. He's he's the yeah. guy we've been hearing a lot about. A lot of NAI offers for him. Uh, big kid. We've talked a lot about him on our show, actually. Uh, athletic, rebounds well. Ma mainly a post player right now, I think is what we said about him, right? Yeah, he is. He's a motor guy. And yeah. he, But what you see in the summer with him going against other big kids is just he's lacking strength. And as we've wondered, because he put up big numbers last year as a sophomore, and just wondering – 
where his recruiting falls, not that today's discussion has to be too much about recruiting, but, but where his recruiting falls, I think is just because compared to other big kids in the class, he is, um, he is definitely needs to improve his strength. So uh, moving up, that gets us to international out of Indianapolis. Uh, Scott Adams is the head coach there. He's done a, a fantastic job of, of bringing a lot of toughness and identity to that program. Their biggest player, their best player is Jaden Thomas, who has uh, committed recently uh, to the, at the NAIA level. I, I really think he's, I really think he could have been recruited a little bit higher, uh, but he's a fantastic player who has spent the last two summers battling injuries. I think so the exposure that he's missed there is hurt. He's, He's one of those kids that was definitely impacted by COVID this past summer in terms of the ability to see him play. Uh, they've got last year, they got a move in Jamari Jackson, who's going to be a junior this year. And then they've also got Michael Barentis and Kaleo Tellus. Tellus is, brings a little bit of size and length to the equation. Uh, Barentis and Jackson are both good athletic kids. They, they, they get in the paint and um, I'm going to forget which one I think is, Brentis is the one who's the, the better shooter of that bunch or the maybe the best shooter of that bunch. But look for Thomas. Thomas had a good junior year, just a, a great kid who really brings a blue-collar work ethic to the court. And, you know, at the, at the 1A level, he's he often steps on the court. He's, he's often the best player on the court. And only up until we get to the, the top four or five or the top four schools – Will it be often? Will it not be in question that he is the best player on the court? And as we start to get into the Lagodes, the Bar Reeves, and and the other schools we have left to talk about, that's when things change, and and that gets us to to Barney talking about his arch rival, the Lagodi Lions. <laughs> in more ways than one, but uh, you know, Ryan Ryan Haywood, <laughs> Ryan Haywood came in last year, first year coach. You know, Lagodi had a losing season before then, and they went 18 and six last year. Um, you know, but they return um, Jordan Wildman, Peyton Bledsoe, who's a sophomore, Silas Bauer, Will Nante, um, Jalen Wildman. They've got a host of kids coming back. So, you know, yeah. they're right up there with Bar Reeve. Talent wise, it's, um, you know, how are they going to put it together this year? You know, you've got Silas Bauer. They've got him shoved down in the middle, but he's probably more of a four, three yeah. guy. But, you know, typical 1A stuff, when you've got a kid that's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you're going to put him in the middle to dominate. But Peyton Bledsoe, a sophomore, very good shooter. He has the green light to just let it go from anywhere on the floor. Yeah. Um, I, I did get – yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I did get to see him scrimmage against uh, Bloomington North the other night. Um and I had some questions, you know, how were they going to handle Bloomington North's athleticism and length? And they've done very well. Um, now, granted, you know, we haven't played basketball for months now, so things were a little sloppy, but I think they'll get that turned around here very quick. So, but unfortunately, they are in the same sectional with Bar Reef. Right. Well, yeah, for years, right? If they never, years, yes. When was the last time they weren't? Was there ever a time they weren't? Uh, when Bar Reeve moved up to 2A and played up at Eastern Green. That's oh, when for the, was that for the um, success it, factor uh, or was that actually? No, that was success factor. So that would have been what, uh, the 2016 season? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Just in time to um, get beat up 
that's you know the bad thing about the success factor is is that the kids that do all the have all the success of the kids that graduate and kind of leaves everybody yes. else behind yeah yes so I, I it's not a perfect system it's meant to appease it's it's a it's a way to take care of the uh, private schools is what is what that was which mm-hmm. is what Blackhawks you know Christian's going to find out so yes. especially when first graduates but mm-hmm. that gets the next two schools to me uh, Tenley you know Tenley is going to be this is this is a reputation play as as much as it is anything they they've got some transfers. They, they are, they've got one key transfer, Aaron Humphrey from, from Warren Central. He's a kid that has played sort of a secondary role at Warren. And I think he's in a position here where he's going to be extremely versatile at 6'5 and strong and a kid who's got some decent skill. He's probably still more of a, of a face-up for a guy who can get some mid-range high post catches, who can then score in isolation. He can post up guys. Uh, he is – He's a load, and if he is focused defensively and rebounding, he could end up being one of the best bigs in this in in one A, and definitely a kid that's going to be able to play at the NAI level, and and maybe even if he wants to get re-recruited, the possibility of him going the junior college route and continuing to reshape his game, he's just got he's he's got a level of toughness that I like, and I think just given the opportunity to get minutes, I think you'll see his game blossom this year. Um, the other, the other, their leading score from last year is Billy Brown. You know, really, really crafty sophomore. They've got three sophomores that will will likely start. Billy Brown's one of them. is a, is a left handed scorer who can get anything he wants off the dribble. Sometimes I think he takes some shots that are a little bit forced that you can kind of get any time, but then he can also get cooking where he he'll put up four, five, six baskets in a row. He can finish once he gets down. Once he gets the paint, he has no problem finishing. Good mid-range game. He's got a lot of tricks in his bag. Uh, then you've got the Pinkston brothers, Jeffrey and Jaden. Jeffrey is more of the power forward, more of the post player, the active kid who rebounds his position well. But Jaden, of all these guys, and I still got other guys to name. I've got uh, Joseph Glenn is one of the name, and then um, oh man, Butler. What's Butler's first name? Um, I had it and lost it. Um, there it is. Kevin Butler. Sorry. Two juniors, Joseph Glenn and Kevin Butler. My bad on that. Um, <laughs> because both those guys were good in the fall league that, that we ran. I mean, Humphreys was too. All those guys play in it, except Jeffrey, who's coming back from an injury. And I'm not sure when he's fully back Je- the, uh, the other Pinkston, but the main one here is Jaden Pinkston. This is the kid that is that is going to definitely play at the at the mid major, possibly plus level. His uh, his outside shots improving athletically. He's an absolute freak. He passes every physical test you could you could possibly have for a kid. And as he has become a a more diligent worker on the court, like more focused, he has just become a menace. And he is terrific. He, he's a lockdown defender, and he is an oper- He's a kid that can really disrupt what the other team does. Now, knowing Coach Dillard, they're going to probably try to press. They're going to probably try and trap. They're going to try and speed up the game. That's going to give them some easy baskets, and Pinkston definitely thrives in transition. But what has really been good for him is, is how his, his half-court game has come along. And a lot of that is just with shot mechanics and, and just 
knowing that he's not – he just has to be able to rely on more than just being the best athlete on the court. He needs to be the best player on the court. And really enjoyed watching him play in the fall. And uh, that group right there, you know, they've, they've not done much as a group yet, at least at the high school level. But that group right there is as talented as any group there is in the state. And that's why I've got them here at number three. And then that leads us to GCA. GCA with with we're starting to run out, run out of McCorkles, aren't we? Or there's one more coming. There's Miles, who's going to be a senior, right? Barney Styles. 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 Not. And then they've got a Styles. younger one who's a freshman. Yes. Um, not sure how much. He'll con- <laughs> yeah. They're, then they're done. Not sure how much he'll contribute, but then they've got the transfer from Zionsville, Isaiah Davis, who's a six eight post player who's actually pretty skilled more of a face-up guy than he is a low post player but definitely a defensive presence at the rim a very good rebounder a kid that I thought had a great summer he really improved his his motor on the court and was was really impressed with how he played he's transferring down and then they've got two other transfers from uh, from Whiteland Caden and Cam Thompson both those kids are, are smaller six foot guards and then they've also got Zane Shoemaker who will round out what will probably be for them a, a three-man backcourt so any names to add there Barney no that's uh, maybe Evan Stinnett uh, his name got thrown around a little bit but I think you've covered pretty much everybody uh, a pretty good returning group really yeah it is and that the, the Isaiah you know the Isaiah Davis name obviously draws a lot of interest uh, in terms of I mean he's gotten several division two offers I think if he could show maybe a little bit more of what positions he can guard, he, he probably maybe creeps into some low D1 offers. If he can guard, if he can show that he can guard at that level, um, you know, but then those, those move in guards from Whiteland, the Thompson, the Thompson twins, um, not the musical group, but the Thompson <laughs> twins um, will, will provide a, a good boost for them in the backcourt, which is what, I mean, GCA had some graduation losses this year, and, and a couple of the kids that transferred in last year were, were perimeter players. And those guys now were se- those were seniors that graduated, and, and now there's going to be a lot of lot of opportunities for uh, Cam and Caden to come in and and you know be very productive. So, which brings us to the team that Barney holds near and dear to his heart, Barry oh, Vikings. Yes. Tell us a little bit about them. Uh, Bar Reeve, um, you know, Bar Reeve's been in the news quite a bit the last couple of years, just for the simple fact of Kurt Hof transferring me in from Forest right. Park. You know, that, that took away a lot of what Bar Reeve done last year. Um, the big loss from last year would have been Keegan O'Neill, of course, you know, six, eight center, um, four five, whatever you want to call him. Your son. But then, yeah, my son. Um, Full disclosure, which. Try to be a legitimate. Yes. Try to be a legitimate news, you know, website here or media site. Yeah, full disclosure, your son, absolutely, who is very good. He deserves your adulation, and deserves yeah. every everyone's praise. Absolutely, but you know, Bar Reeve reloads with six nine Kurt Hope, who just committed to Bellarmine, yep. and you got Bryson Graber, a six three point guard, who has phenomenal court vision who has all kinds of NAIA interests. Um, but then there's Hagen Knapp, and um, he really came onto the scene last year. And I think his defining moment was during the uh, 
the North Davies tournament, he had a breakaway dunk where he caught body and nobody was expecting it, you know, so that's when he really flew onto the scene. Well, but, what was what was nice about him, Coach Thompson, you know, early in the year, as he's sending like player of the week stuff to us, because we do that every week, we get mm -hmm. input from the school coaches, which we appreciate. I didn't know who he was. I was, I kept thinking he, that Hagen was the, was Graber. Oh, and then yeah. I kind of dug around. I thought, no, man, there, this is a kid that didn't really get a whole lot of varsity time last year. Was, did he get much varsity time the year before? No, as a as freshman. Yeah. So as a freshman, he was on the, you know, he was on the state, uh, the state run team, um, seen playing time, didn't start last year started, but you know what, what really brought him into the spotlight and he, he, he capitalized on it was when you have six, eight in there down here in Southern Indiana, anytime Keegan was to move somewhere, there were two or three guys that would go with him. Bryson Graber found Hagen Nepp every time and Hagen, you know, capitalized on those opportunities. So he averaged about 15 points a game as a sophomore. So you're going to see, you know, the difference this year is, is Kurt Hope is a bit more athletic than what Keegan was. So they can move him around quite a bit more. So we'll see how that translates into Hagen's Hagen's game this year. But still, I mean, just having Hope, Graber and Nepp on the court, you can throw any two guys in there and you're going to have a tremendous team. And Kurt, Kurt drives a little better than what Keegan did. Right? Yes. I mean, yes. he's, he's got a, he's more of a threat in that way, which, and that may be the difference between why he gets recruited to a, to a division one program versus, versus a lot of those schools looking at Keegan and, and not mm -hmm. specifically pulling the trigger. I mean, obviously the GLVC is extremely talented, but, right. But if there's a difference in those two, it's that Kurt's that he has that as part of his game, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's, there's no doubt that Kurt puts the ball on the floor better than Keegan Dunn. So, I mean, and I, I won't argue that a bit, but the thing you throw in there is then you've got a couple shooters in Tommy Kidwell and Jamison Miller. Yeah. These guys are tremendous from behind the arc. So, you know, it's one of those things, the bench for Bar Reeve and including Devin Graber, he's one of those kids that can put the ball on the floor very well and get to the rim, yeah. but their bench is deep. So you can't guard, you have to guard all five guys all game long. You can't leave them alone. So that's probably what makes them the most talked about, you know, team in one A is they are deep and they have good players. Yeah. I, I think those top five teams kind of all have that quality going for them. Not, not that they all have the same yeah. skill sets, but they've all got, they, they never put a guy out there that can't score. I shouldn't right. say that. They, they can put lineups out there where everybody can score. Yes. International can put five guys out there who can get a bucket. Lagodi can put five guys out there who can get a bucket. And that's, that's pretty rare. Um, yeah. You know, GCA certainly is going to be able to do that. And, and Bar Reeve, mm -hmm. and, you know, Bar Reeve is, has been blessed with good size, you know, over the years. May not always be 6'8, six, 6'9 six, like it's been the last few years. But right. even before that, you go to, you know, you, you go to some guys where they've, they've always seemed to have a good inside presence and then they wrap them around with, with, you know, skilled players. So. Well, they've had it, they've had a steady stream of, of like six, five kids in there, six, five, right. six, six, you know, and, and some of those kids were even perimeter players at the time. So it's, you know, it's, it's different. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Hey, let's let's talk before we we're, we're all going to kind of throw some maybe a, a, an additional team or two out before we check out. But hey, Zach, where would Victory Christian fit into this equation as a non-IHSA school? If if we were to rank them, and and we probably there's no reason why we shouldn't. But I, I think we kind of started with the the notion that we're just going with teams that can compete for the state championship. Where would they fit into this equation if as you're looking up and down this list? I, I could probably put them somewhere behind Gary 21st, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know much about victory and I'll find out more. Like we said tomorrow night, but yeah. uh, other than uh, Tomei and uh, uh, I just lost Flynn. Kid. Flynn. Yeah. Car- who just committed the other day. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure what they have. So, so I could see them up, up there in the 10, 11 range, maybe. I mean, I've, I've had a chance to see their, their best three players come down to our fall league the last two years, and they, they've competed very well. They traveled down with that South Bend area team and, sure. and have, have been extremely competitive. I, I really like Carson Flynn. I mean, Tomei's good, too, but I think Carson is the kid whose game translate college-wise. Right. Uh, and, you know, Barney, have you seen them play at all? I have not. Uh, not just, no? just Just articles. That's a, it's a nice group. I, you know, Zach's going to get a chance to see them play tomorrow night. They play Gary 21st century. So they're both, those guys are starting off white, right on the get. I would say this, um, you know, victory Christian, the, the kids that I've seen and liked have been guys that do struggle against quickness. So tomorrow when Zach gets a chance to see them play, I'll be curious to see where that goes. So, Barney, anybody down in your neck of the woods that we should be talking about or thinking more about in terms of teams or maybe even a player who's good enough to, to carry their team up up the ranks a little bit? So Bloomfield, I would probably throw Bloomfield in there. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got a junior in Balen Graff. He's a, he's a lefty. And uh, when I – he's – he didn't get any playing time as a, as a freshman. Of course, Ron McBride was there and doesn't believe in playing freshman, but I fully believe he should have played as a freshman, but watching this kid, um, the trans, you know, the transmission he, he made from a freshman to a sophomore, his freshman year, he had no right hand whatsoever. He comes in his sophomore year, full use of his right hand. I mean, just, he, you could tell he worked, you know, tirelessly on getting that skill in there but he is a um he reminds me a lot of evans from iu that kind of three-point shooter just really off oh my gosh off the screens and i've got i've got some tape on him i'll send it to you so you can watch him he's a junior he's a junior yes and that's the thing about uh, bloomfield is their whole team is basically junior loaded this year and they were a very successful uh, JV team. I mean, because okay. they had, you know, they had a lot of seniors in there. You know, they lost Turner Royal, who went to Wabash. Right. But they've got another Royal in there, Christopher Royal, who is a top, top-notch player in his own right. But they're going to compete up through sectional and even regional in this area, I do believe. You know, one team that from the Indianapolis area that I, I think – will probably, I don't know if sneak up on people is the right term. I think Cowan is a group uh, near Muncie. So that's not technically in the Indianapolis area, but 
but they're they're more central Indiana ish when you consider how we're breaking down the state. You know, they've got they've got decent size. They've got a 16 kid that's a lot of these kids are seniors now and they they broke through last year and won their sectional, which surprised a lot of people. I know they had a good year, but they're still them winning the sectional is a surprise. And, you know, as much as Liberty Christian, it's a different style. Liberty Christian is going to definitely try to speed that game up. But, you know, Callum was a team that came through that last year and, and they basically have everybody back from last year. It's just tough to they had a they had a situation where the their coach passed away in the fall. So not sure what their coaching situations like in terms of continuity. And I, I think that's the one thing they had going for them uh, aside, you know, experience and, and, and continuity. So they, they, they lose a little bit of that and it was, you know, but I also look for them to, you know, probably play a little bit in his honor and, and see if they can't carry it through and make, you know, make it like what we last year was not necessarily a surprise. And Another team I like, or at least a kid I like that's that's teams we haven't spoken about yet is is Caleb Dewey at Edinburgh, six foot two, six foot three inch guard who does just an awful lot of things for them, and and had a big freshman year for them. He was one of the state's leading scores. I'm sorry, he was one of the state's leading freshman scores. At around 15, 16 a game last year, look for his numbers to blossom. And, you know, look for him, at least in the future, with Edinburgh to, to bring them up a little bit higher as we start breaking down top teams going forward. So uh, Zach has taken a phone call. So he's not here to tell you a little bit about Morgan Township and, and how good he likes, how much he likes Tate Avanio. Tate has starting to rake in some offers. And, you know, Morgan Township had a decent year last year. They just happened to be in the same sectional as Couts and Gary 21st Century. So. I think that's a team that he would he has already discussed wanting to focus more on. And Barney, you asked about Washington Township, and yeah, uh, when we spoke before we started recording, I they they do have some kids back, but they lost a, they did lose you know about half their scoring from last year. Uh, and, and again, they're in the same position. They play in the Couts same section with Couts in 21st Century, and and it's it's kind of uphill for them as far as uh, getting getting through and getting. Uh, deeper into the tournament so right zach we just talked about tate avano and morgan oh, yeah. township i knew you were going to throw him in there yes um anybody else up north that we should have yeah. been talking about or that we should have maybe we should have listed uh in that 1a class that's probably about it that yeah. i'm aware of right now yeah it, it's it's hit and miss 2021 is a is a loaded class statewide at the 1A level, most of it is Indianapolis and South, other than a couple of exceptions. And, you know, Gary, 21st century is that, and I speak from a recruiting standpoint, you know, the bigger names are, are down South. I think DJ Moss has a chance to be special, but he's just going to be a sophomore. And then Christian Nunn at Liberty Christian, I think is definitely going to be a guy that just piles on stats. And then, and then Cademan uh, Bontrager at Lakewood Park. So. I think we've covered it. I think we're going to move now to 2A. And uh, we good on time as far as, uh, Zach, you don't have to take the phone call or anything. We're good? Nope, I'm good for right now. Yeah, I might have to okay. bounce off for a second a little bit, but we'll see. Okay, that's fine. We can we can cover it. Um, 2A, we're going to start with Cloverdale. And Patrick Rady has produced uh, a, a Cooper Neese, who's at Indiana State, and uh, – 
Jalen, um, ah, what's his the kid is at Cleveland State now? Went to Vincennes, was a JUCO All American. Yeah, um, uh, might be Jalen Smith. No, that's the guy mm-hmm. that got drafted. We should know this. This is awful. Uh, no, uh, Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore. His dad freaking played at South Moore. Yeah, with Heiderbreeder's dad <laughs> on that uh, Final Four team. Yeah, so Jalen Moore. That was easy. Uh, Coach Rady's done a great job of developing scores. Done a great job of developing guys who can shoot. He's got uh, this next one is is Kyle Thomas, who's a six foot two inch junior, whose father Greg was an Indiana All Star and, and also played at Indiana State. He was from Speedway. And what Kyle has done is has been, you know, he started almost at, you know he started since he was a freshman, and now he's the guy leading the way, putting up big numbers and. They've also got Nolan Kelly, two seniors, and Nolan Kelly and Chase Ashcraft. Nolan Kelly's got a lot of Division three schools that are looking at him. He's probably their second most – they're probably their second best player in terms of scoring the ball. And and Ashcraft is a guy that – he's kind of a glue guy. He's a, he's a guy that does a lot of grunt work for them. Uh, he's their best defender. And, and, and that's a kid that Coach Rady looks forward to, to seeing what he can produce – and a good athlete. So, he, you know, on that, on their schedule, he's going to be able to make plays. And then he's really high on Kyle's younger brother, Zach, who's probably more of a point guard. And for them, they might even be able to bring, uh, take Kyle off the ball at times if they think Zach can provide them some extra ball handling. Those, those are the names that I think have stood out for me the most. Um, you know, Southwestern Hanover. Barney, did you have them or is that was that me? Uh, I have Southwestern Hanover. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, Southwestern Hanover was 17 and like nine last year. The big thing we've got to look at uh, with five games less to go in the season last year, they had a coaching change. You know, so there was some drama last year. They lost in the sectional. Um, they have, oh, I just went blank. Blonde haired shooter. Uh, Foster Medford. Thank you. Foster Medford. It's what, I got to see them play a couple times last year. Um, one game, they were phenomenal. And then the very next game when I watched them play, it was like, where'd you guys go? So it, it's, we'll see how they are. I, I, they're very hard to judge right now. Of course, the new coach, what has he put in and, and whatever they are that'll put around Foster Medford. So we'll see. Interesting dynamic. You know, Matt Williams, I'm not even sure if Matt Williams is playing. I, I tried to confirm that beforehand. I know he was injured during his, during his junior season. Mm-hmm. And I know he didn't play in the summer. I know that was definitely, or if he did, it, it wasn't with anybody that, that traveled. Um, right. But I'm not entirely sure what his status is for the school year. If he's healthy enough or if he's, you know, that was, they did have a lot of drama last year. I don't know who was involved in that mix. Right. You know, between Mefford and Eccles, and you know, Eccles is a kid who can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's and it's they were primed to be a really good year before Williams got hurt. And I went down to watch him play Jeffersonville, and the first thing I saw when they came out in warmups uh, was that uh, Williams wasn't dressed, and he was he basically had um, had his arm taped up, so or his arm was bound together, so he was definitely not playing. Um, right. The next two teams are coming out of Eastern Indiana, Winchester, led by Peyton Sparks, who is a, a Ball State commit. 
You know, and that and that's a deal where I think Zach and I, as we've talked about his offers, Zach's not seen him play. I've seen him play limited times. I don't know what their guard play is like other than they other than Brooks Burleson being back. And and I don't know what Peyton it surprised me that the ball state the Mac level, the Mac level of interest in him. It wasn't just Ball State. So it, it's one of those deals where whenever I've seen him play, I've wondered about his feet. And that's not necessarily an assessment of how good a Winchester may be, but it may be an assessment of how far he can carry them. And, you know, they they are – they rely on him an awful lot. And he's definitely a load inside. And I like that he's got some touch going, going over both shoulders. But I've never seen him do much more than other than just be right at the paint. And where that goes from here, I don't, I don't know. They definitely, he's definitely good enough to carry them, you know, and, you know, and have a strong season, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure people think that with as good as he is, or as, as good as he's reputed to be, that they should be higher. I, I don't know about the rest of personnel and I don't know how he's going to adjust to teams that are much more, you know, that are quicker, that play faster and how that's going to impact him because they've not been able to dent like the Northeasterns and the, and the Blackfords and the Shenandoahs on their schedule. So, and their, their next one is, is that is Northeastern Northeastern comes in with um, three really good incoming seniors or three good incoming seniors and um, one incoming, no, three really good incoming seniors. Uh, Raiden Faust, six foot seven. Um, actually he's a junior. So Raiden Faust is six foot seven inch junior who's actually pretty skilled. He's not, not a post player, not a pure post player by any stretch of the imagination. He's certainly going to have some size opportunities to post up, uh, but also a kid who can step out and hit threes, and he looks good doing it. He probably doesn't – he probably puts the ball on the floor more than he should, but a, but a guy that is definitely a difference maker on their schedule. Uh, their leading score, actually, though, is Colden Van Landingham, six-foot, two-inch guard, very dynamic score. And, and him and Carter Lumpkin, who's a tough, tough competitor and a, and a kid who can hit shots, can play with the ball a little bit, which will free Van Landingham up. And Van Landingham was a kid that got decent minutes as a freshman, has sort of moved his way up, and, and now has become their, their best scorer. And those three kids, those three kids um, really give them a nice trio that they've not had for a while. They've had some, they've had some teams come up, like with Tyler Smith, they had that group where everything was generated by their full court press, by them trying to create tempo. This group is a little bit more half court oriented. It definitely, um, you know, definitely got a three, you know, three guys who can make plays and score. And they're going to be a tough out, especially if he gets that group defending uh, at a high level. So that gets us to what Southridge Barney. You've got an intriguing player there that that I'd like to know a little bit more about. So the funny thing about Southridge, I'm sure people look at the the record and they're like, man, they were nine and 15 last year. What people don't understand is Southridge was missing two or three players from injury, you know, so they, they did not play healthy all year long, even though they had Colson Montgomery. Um, Colson, man, what do you say about this kid? Cause he is a true athlete and he's, he's one of those kids 
six five six six. Of course, he's going to be a professional baseball player. We all know that's coming. But he makes Southbridge a contender anytime you step on the floor. Um, he's got good range. He can put it on the floor. He's he can jump. You know, so if they are healthy, um, you know they're going to compete in the two A. There is no doubt about it. I mean, Mark Rohr does a phenomenal job of getting his teams ready to compete when it's tournament time. Hey, Mon- Montgomery's a phenomenal athlete, isn't he? Oh yes, absolutely. I, I mean, mean, he's a kid. Yeah. I mean, they're throwing his name around a little bit about maybe playing basketball too at IU. They they are yeah about being a walk yeah, yeah walking on yeah absolutely yeah. And, and he could. He's that kind of athlete. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind he could step in and see minutes. You know, not, you know, we're not talking 18, 19, 20 minutes a game, but he's going to give minutes in there where he could spell somebody. I mean, in the, at Indiana, you mean? At Indiana, yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's one of those things. He is, he is obviously the focus during games, so it's who's, who's going to step in to provide that other scoring, you know, um when when they have him double or triple teamed yeah i don't it's, it's the rest of that group i don't know much about because you're right last year their record was very unimpressive and you, unless you're down that area or follow it it's hard to tell what the well and that's is. you know and and a lot of it behind it is is those are football kids that are coming in and right. they've had two tremendous runs here the last few years in football so they're not getting there and getting the reps in with everybody else until you know, they get four or five games in before they start clicking. Now, he's a quarterback, right? Well, he didn't play football this year. Oh, he didn't? Oh, he's, this year he didn't? No. Play. Okay. Yeah, he spent his time. Um, he was he was invited to some very impressive professional camps where he was putting up phenomenal baseball stats. So that's what he was doing during football season this year. A lot of Florida camps. Um, I think there was a Tennessee in there that he attended. So, I mean, that's how good he is at, at baseball. Right. That gets us to Blackford and uh, the Luke Brown portion of the podcast. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's – love Luke Brown. I mean, he is that dynamic player. I, I wish he would have been at Brownsburg. I've said that a couple times. He'd look great playing with Pearson. Thomas and Luke Lacey and that group. Um, he is, I mean, he's just offensively, he's a complete player. And he's, you know, he's, he's going down to Stetson. So he's going to, you know, obviously he's playing basketball at the Division One level. He had a lot of good mid-major offers, chose to go down there. And, it, it, you know, you wonder at Blackford, what, what's their prospects this year? Certainly they're going to be, he is good enough that he can carry them to a point. I don't know that he can get them over the hump against the central nobles, the Lintons and Blackhawks, the teams that we're going to talk about later, but he might be able to get them down to semi-state. And I mean, I think certainly that's to be expected. Their path in the regional, their, their sectional is probably harder than their regional uh, with the exception maybe of if, if Peyton Sparks at Winchester can really carry that team. Uh, but, but Blackford has probably the easiest path of any of these teams to get to this, to get to the semi-state and they are, they have one of the best players. Now what they've lost last year, 
the, the main guy they lost last year was Brandon Strobel. That was a kid that played a lot as, as a freshman and has pretty much blossomed playing alongside Luke. The other guys that they lost have decent numbers, but I think a lot of that is created by Luke Brown. Just his entire the entire gravity he has on the court really shifts an entire defense. Now, what they've got coming back, they've got Stephen Hoover coming back. They've got Mickey Wallells coming back. And how much though, how much those guys are going to step into bigger roles. Now, how much they produce is based around Luke. The attention that he gets, it remains to be seen. How much of it, especially with Hoover, you know, is he going to be able to get shots and be the kind of player that Strobel was? I, I don't, you know, I don't know. They've got a freshman, Jack Wars, who was very good in, in our fall league and a, and a kid that I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. His brother last year played at, at Blackford. They're a group that's, they're actually originally a Carmel family, or at least as far as me knowing them. Uh, they're originally a Carmel family and, you know, Jack's going to have an opportunity and, and he's a kid that can hit shots too. And he's got some size to him, even, even as a freshman, he's a pretty strong kid. And I think if he produces, he's going to be a guy that, that feeds off of Brown, but, but at the same time, it's just a guy that you got to guard. And, and the, the more guys you can put that on the court, the more guys like that you can put on the court. I mean, it, it's sort of obvious at that point, it, it's the better off you are, but, but I don't, I don't know that I see, Anybody has accomplished a Strobel who is going to provide the cover for Luke that, that Strobel did. And, and if, just from a team standpoint, right now we're trying to focus on teams and how much success Blackford's going to have. Uh, you know, they could, they could maybe have a little bit of a worse regular season record, but then they've got a really easy, I think their path to semi-state is, is the easiest of a lot of these teams that we're talking about. So, you know, you talk about, uh, Luke and his ability to facilitate, you know, I got to watch him three games down here in this North Davies mm -hmm. tournament. And honestly, you know, with Luke Brown putting up 30 points a game, he honestly, in three of those games, he probably would have walked out with 12 or 15 assists each game, but the guys couldn't capitalize. I mean, he sure. got them there and they were in that position, but they just could not capitalize, you know, and, and I think that's an attribute to how good the bar reads and whatnot, you know, when they miss those points, you know, Barif capitalized. Right. So. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where sometimes assist totals can be inflated because the ball sticks with the kid so much. And that goes back to my Desmond Bain thing, which, you know, Desmond is a, is a much better player when the ball's on the move. So even watching him at Texas Christian, just seeing how his game – flourished as the ball was out of his hands more and, and to watch him still be able to make plays and by make plays, I mean, find other people. It's, it's nice to see that part of it. Luke's vision is incredible, but the ball is in his hands so much. He's going to get seven or eight assists a game. He's going to get right. four or five other opportunities to get assists where, you know, like at Shenandoah, for example, they've got three primary ball handlers that play at any given time. They're, they're not, none of those guys are going to have those types of numbers. Um, mm -hmm. So whenever we get too deep into it, I, I would like to see Luke in a position where he's, where he's off the ball more, not that he's not the primary ball handler, but where he's off the ball more, where he's getting rid of it, then he's coming through a series of screens and somebody else is finding him. I, I think 
they lose that in Strobel because Strobel can make those plays. I don't know what else they have really that can step in and be be that second guy. But but Luke is definitely good enough to get them in this discussion. And again, with the way their schedule, with the way their re, their path to the semi state is, I, I would fully expect Blackford to be there this year, uh, barring any sort of weird. I don't know what pandemic maybe. <laughs> well, and and you'll get a chance. You know, you talk about the Blackhawks and whatnot, and we'll get a chance to see how they do handle those kind of teams up in the uh, uh, the Newcastle games. You know. Oh yeah, the Hall of Fame, absolutely. Yeah, the absolutely. Hall of Fame games. So, Zach, we finally get the two teams you you're covering, Cherubusco and then yes. and then Andrean. So hit us up with Cherubusco and, and yeah, lighten okay. us on what they've got. Yeah, so Cherubusco has a couple seniors uh, coming back this year. They have uh, Jackson Paul and Landon Jordan, both are Huntington commitments for the next season. Jackson's their floor leader, great point guard, uh, has been working on his outside shooting, so that's been improving. Uh, then Landon Jordan, crazy athletic, uh, dunks anything he can, runs, runs the floor really well, good rim runner, rebounds well, blocks shots, all that. Uh, they lost four or five seniors. Let me see. One, two, three, f- four seniors looks like from last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this year uh, and, and who steps up to help those two moving forward. When you watched them last year, did you get a sense of their depth? Uh, I think it just seemed like an, any kind of two-way team where they, they had the five guys and then they went a, a few deep, maybe two or three is right. all. Uh, and like I said, they had four seniors that, and two of them, two to three of them gave them some good minutes. And, and so it'll be interesting to see who steps up for them. Andre, and that, this is the, th- this was the toughest one I had just because they lose Kyle Ross. Of course, yep. they, you know, they effectively lost him last year. Right. They struggled, but it's one of those deals where you go into a season preparing to play one way and then you got to come, come across another and now they bring all these kids back that, you know, they were expecting to make a two or three year run. And I don't think they're any less, I mean, without Ross, they may struggle against, they're going to struggle against size that, you know, we're eventually going to get to in this class. Right. But they've got the pieces, right? So tell us, I mean, they've got f- four or five really good players still coming back. Yeah. So they have Flesher. He's a really good football player. Uh, he'll probably be their leader coming back, shoots the ball really well. Uh, Ben Jones is a senior coming back as well, who's a shooter also, can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, Deshaun Burnett is the other senior coming back. Uh, so there's really good th- three pieces right there. And then they have uh, Gabe Gillespie coming back as well, who's, who'll be a junior. So right there you have four good pieces coming back to an already tough team from last year. I know they kind of struggled a little bit to find themselves, I feel like, with Ross out, out of there because he played the first game a little bit and then, then all the stuff went down. And cause uh, actually I saw him with you down in Noblesville, didn't I? Were you there yeah. to that game? Yeah. Well, and I went to the Lake central game, which is their home, which is their opener and they were bad. They did not yeah. play very well. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, obviously they they had some graduations off of their state championship team, but they had depth. Yep. So now some of these kids that, that got to play, were looking still for bigger roles. Right. And I know there was a lot of talk last year about Deshaun Burnett uh, stepping up and being a, a bigger player. And, and, and Ben Jones has kind of been of a kid that's sort of teetered around the varsity level ever since he's been in high school, like his freshman year, you know, he dressed his sophomore year, he was playing. And then last year he was, 
you know, a full-blown starter. And they just really looked bad against Lake Central. And it, I don't know that they never really got going. But right. individually, these kids are talented. And I, I like the energy and the motor that Gillespie brings to the court. Uh, he is, I think they feel like he is one of their better defenders. And I think the question for them will be what outside shooting, right? Yeah, I would say if they've got those, if they've, if they've got those types of pieces. So yeah, Ben Jones and, and, and uh, Flesher should be those pieces, but consistency has always been an issue. I feel like, yeah, especially with Ben Jones. So we'll see this year. Uh, that gets us to Park Tudor. And there, there, there are three main pieces there. Are, are Ronald Johnson, who's who's a senior, J.C. Glenn, who's a senior, and then Jermaine Coleman, who's a sophomore. And the development of Coleman I, will be what makes them different this year than last year. He was a kid that, that started as a freshman for them, can at six six, maybe even taller, definitely longer. He just does a lot of things. His, his shot is is gotten better. He's a left-handed kid who looks to put the ball on the floor some, but I mean, is I mean, Ronnie Johnson is, is a dead eye shooter and, and he's going to be their one of their primary ball handlers. I, I imagine some rotations where he's probably coming off screens, but, but Ronnie is definitely reminds me a lot of Malik Stanley at, at Warren central. He's just a kid that comes off. He's great in ball screen action. He can shoot it. Uh, he's, he's a, he's certainly a capable defender. Uh, J.C. Glenn is, is a is a slasher, is a kid that plays his butt off. Who's who's a big motor guy. Uh, he had a really good fall league. I I didn't see him shoot the ball much as far as up from the perimeter, so I don't know where his strengths and weaknesses lie there. And but those guys were both consistent contributors at the varsity level last year, and it's Coleman that I think steps up. And Coleman could end up being their best player this year. He's certainly their best talent. And, and that's not to take anything away from those two guys. He's just his upside. He's just got a higher ceiling. And if he is starting to, if he's starting to get in the top half of his, his spectrum talent wise, then look for Park Tudor to start getting back. Maybe not the same as the Blewett Yogi days, but look for Park Tudor to be back in their state contention days where they're I'm looking at their, their path. I mean, they don't have a very, their path to the semi-state's not that easy. They probably have the toughest path <laughs> or among them because they're in the same section with university, covenant Christian, heritage Christian. And then if they win that thing, they get to come out and play Shenandoah and then possibly South Decatur and, and even another team in um, even another team in Cloverdale that we've already talked about. So, but Park Tudor look for them to, to bounce back and, and at least, from a, a win-loss perspective, look a lot like those teams that were contending for state titles, you know, a few years ago, earlier in the day, earlier last decade. So, Barney, South Decatur, yours or mine? You better take them because I don't know enough about them. Uh, you know enough about them? No. Uh, these guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick while I'm while I'm talking. These guys last year, they played at such a high pace. They are the old Loyola, Loyola Marymount team from the from the uh, uh, the nineties, where those guys just tried to run and gun and do everything possible to create tempo. They were twenty four and two last year, 
average getting this off of John Harrell's website, give that credit. They were 24 and two last year, which was up from seven and 17. Wow. They averaged 87.8 points per game, which was up from 56.9 points per game. Defensively, they, they gave up 70 points per game. Their two losses were both double digits, one to Southwestern Hanover, who we've already talked about, and the other one to Greensburg, who, of course, had, you know, Wellage and Sparks and Comer. And, you know, those guys have, have been really good during, the, during these last, this last decade especially. So their only two losses were impressive. They, they were two really good teams, I should say. A lot of their games were blowouts. They had a close game against their county rival, North Decatur. And the thing is, is they pretty much return everybody back. Lane Louderball is, for them, a stat sheet stuffer. He's a kid that can score at all three levels on their schedule. He is miscast. as He's not a post player. He's probably defensively a four for looking at it from a college level. But the kid can really, really score. And Hunter Johnson and Evan Wallenweber both came in as sophomores last year, and all three of those guys were putting up huge numbers. And but Lane is their Lane is what makes him go. He's the guy that that he's their clutch guy. He's the dude that they go to when stuff's going badly. Um, there were times this summer where I thought he struggled with the speed of the game when he's talking about playing kids. Like he played on an Indianapolis area team this summer, and he struggled some. Uh, but then I got a chance to watch him in the fall league, and and he was really he was really good. You know, he just was a little bit more used to it. And, and play with guys that found him, you know, that could find him in transition, that could find him in the half court and really love the way he plays. Um, you know, certainly in a system where he's featured, in a system where he knows where he's going to get his touches and he can start to develop some rhythm on the catch, he, he's going to be really effective. Now I'll be curious to see they're successful. 24 and two is hard to replicate. Uh, I don't know that the teams on their schedule necessarily have gotten a lot better. I mean, we have named we've named one of their teams that they're going to play. We're probably going to talk a little bit about Greensburg in the next podcast. Um, but you know, look for them to to sort of duplicate their success. Morristown's a tough match for them, but I like all three of those guys. I definitely love Lane Lauderball, especially on their schedule. And, you know, look for South Decatur to be to be a big factor again at the 2A level. So that gets us to South Spencer now, which is, Barney, your neck of the woods. Yes. You know, Matt Britton came into to South Spencer and and they went 22 and four last year. They ended up winning their sectional over North Posey. Um, they've got a couple tremendous guards in Chase Kelly and Michael Donahoe. Uh, Jace Kelly is started to get some interest from D some D three schools. Um, I honestly think he, he could play uh, NIA somewhere. Um, but they have a move in um, kids supposed to be six, 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 seven from uh, Florida. I want to say yeah. chase, chase yeah. Garrett. Thank you. I was, I, I haven't seen enough about him to really know what his game is going to be, but it's going to be a tremendous help considering, you know, they're playing teams such as Heritage Hills and, and whatnot with size. If, if it's anything like his dad, he's going to be damn good. Okay. His, uh -huh. his dad was, was going to play for me. Uh, baseball got in the way. 
and they 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 decided to focus on baseball at the end of February, at the tail end of his freshman year. Just a, f- a fabulous, multifaceted baseball player, or basketball player. Could play inside, could play out. He was he handled the ball. He played with Kent Air on some of the better South Spencer teams that they've had in the last forty years, and he handled the ball a lot for them at six six. And if Chase is anything like his dad, now reportedly Chase has some Division One offers or some Division One interest. If he's anything like his dad, even half as good as his dad, then he's gonna he's gonna bring them a lot and probably more probably not the maybe not as relatively as strong as what as what his dad was uh coming up but maybe a little bit more skilled than what his dad was even though I just got done raving on it I think Chase is focused mm-hmm. on his focus on basketball has probably created that I think obviously his his father Josh most of the summers focused a lot on baseball and, you know, eventually that took over, but Chase has really been, or I'm sorry, Josh was a really good player. And if Chase is anything like his dad, he's going to be outstanding for them. So is he a, is he a Blake Sisley, Kurt Hope kind of player? No, No. he is more of a a lanky combo wing or tweener wing, depending on like, he's more of a two or three. Um, He is more, um, yeah, he's a lot like his dad in that regard. He's definitely not a big guy. He's definitely not a post. He's he's definitely more of a of a wing. And from what so I understand, he's closer to six five. Do what? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. A matchup nightmare for many of the teams in that area. I mean, certainly if they're if they're, you know, if Matt uses him that way. I mean, Matt knows as much about him as anybody. They they all came up together. I mean, right. I know South Spencer from Bloomfield's not not exactly close to each other on a map, but but those guys. You know, those were kids that grew up playing together, not playing together, but playing against each other and, you know, mm-hmm. making headlines at the same time. Gotcha. And there's, you know, when the Garrett's decided to move back to Indiana because of their, the grandfather's health, great family, uh, him going back to South Spencer was a no-brainer. So Matt got gets a chance to inherit a really good player. And uh, I, I'd like, to, I'm going to try and figure, got to figure out a way to get down there to watch them play. Easy for you, not so easy for me. Well, it's not it's not exactly close to Odin, Indiana. No. <laughs> Rockport. No, Rockport's a drive. It's a two hour drive to Rockport. Is it really? Yes. There's no good way to get there. I don't have interstate like you fancy people. Oh, up, up here, our fandangled yes. our fandangled freeways with overpasses yes. and things like that. You've got interstate sixty nine. Don't don't act like you don't. It goes the opposite direction of <laughs> Rockport, though. Is there is Rockport that far east? I've never been. Yeah, I, I went when they played at Ferd when they played Forest Park at Ferdinand when they when the in the Kurt Begley days. Yeah, so it's down on the river, but luckily they play. Um, they will be at the Heritage Hills tournament, and I think they come up to Terre Haute, north or south. So I've got options to get there to see them if if they'll let me in. Uh, the good news is we're finding out that media can get in. So we'll. We well, Jim, will, I uh, think we've had we've had this discussion. I'm still considered fake news in this area, so. Uh, <laughs> we need to get rid of that phrase. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll get it figured out for you. Yeah. Um, that takes us to Shenandoah. Probably the a team that was licking their chops last year, coming out of sectional play. 
as they were heading for a collision course for a state championship game against, or well, semi-state against Linton and a state championship game against Blackhawk. And they return pretty much everybody with one addition and one caveat. The caveat is that Andrew Bennett, there are three guys they, they primarily return are Andrew Bennett, Jacob Kinsey, Caden McCullough, and then Jasper Campbell. But Bennett is out. He got injured playing football. It remains to be seen how serious that injury is. I mean, I know it's going to keep him out for a while, but it remains to be seen if it keeps him out for the whole year or just or just up until like January or February. Uh, that'll be a huge blow for them, especially considering what, what heights they want to reach. I mean, we basically – I've got them number four knowing Bennett's not playing. They get the inclusion of Michael Howard, which is the nephew of Matt Howard. Michael transferred in last year from Hagerstown, was ineligible, ineligible to play. He was forced to play JV all year. He is going to be a good addition for them. Another kid who can, who can play inside and out. He's a good outside shooter. He can defend bigger kids. Uh, Jacob Kenzie, Caden McCollins is going to be their backcourt. They would, they would start those three guards together, those two with Bennett. And then you've got Jasper Campbell, who's 6'4", 6'5", strong, puts the ball on the floor, does a lot of nice things for them, can shoot it. And that, that five together, if Bennett comes back healthy – I mean, you saw the list I gave you initially before I before I remembered that Bennett was out. I had Shenandoah number one with with a healthy Bennett. <clears throat> I think that's too much firepower, and they, the coaching that they get, they are going to be very physical defensively. And I still think even without Bennett, they're going to be one of the top two A teams in the state. It, to me, it's a no brainer. So, you guys seen them play? I, I speak as highly. I'm a big McCullough fan. I'm I'm as big a McCullough fan as there is outside of his family. So uh, going back to his North Judson days, but anybody, have you seen any of those kids play? I have not. Uh, neither have I. I mean, I thought Bennett had a heck of a summer. And then I was really impressed with, with all those dudes in the fall league. And I've, I've known Kenzie since he was a young kid, his father coached at Shenandoah back in the day. So I've always been sort of familiar with, with him. And the, the Bennett kid, Bennett used to be in Westfield. I know a little bit about him before he moved to Shenandoah, but he was fabulous this summer, and he was really good in the fall league and, until he got hurt playing football. So that gets us to Central Noble and one of our favorite players in the class, Connor Asijan. Yes. Zach, what do you know about that group? Yeah, so Connor's got a good group with him. He's got a couple other kids they're still around Sawyer Yoder's one Logan guards, another, and then Ryan Schroeder is another kid that we'll hear a little bit about this year. Uh, really good group of kids. Good spot on this list. I feel like for them, uh, Connor can shoot the lights out of the ball. And that's not the only part of his game. That's good. I mean, he gets up and down the floor. Good. He handles the ball. Well, he's a great passer, a really great passer. I feel like uh, good size for him as well, but he can shoot it over anybody from anywhere on the court. Uh, unlimited range for for Connor, but then like I've said, he's got that help now too. He's got the Sawyer Yoder and the Logan guard that are going to help him. Uh, Logan's a good in the post player, uh, so they're they're going to be a, a handful this year. Hey Logan, I don't know what their school team's like. He stepped out and hit threes. Yeah, in the fall yeah. league, really impressed with him. Added that too. Yep. Yeah, he was a kid that I featured. We tried to feature kids in each of the tiers in our, in the league. And he was a guy that I featured, let Caleb and JD kind of 
handle that part of it, but he was a guy that when it was all said and done, I've, I brought up and, and both of them were ready to cite the good things that he was doing. So Central Noble is going to be really fun to watch. And yeah, for sure. We've got to get up to that Busco game because that's going to be that, you know, that game would be probably a sellout if it wasn't for all the restrictions we'd have to have. Yeah. It was last year when I was there. Yeah. A siege is like, you know, Lincoln Hale in terms of, He's going to be so good on the perimeter that Blackhawk is going to have to figure out how they're going to guard him. Now, I know Blackhawk will probably be able to throw some athletes at him, but or some longer kids at yeah. him. But that's going to really – I mean, that's one part of the floor where first defensive abilities um, isn't, isn't going to translate real well. And I, and I don't mean it I – mean I don't mean it in a way where all of a sudden you're going to see first guarding a siege because they'll just run his butt off of screens. But first was so effective against Trey Kaufman last year when they, when they faced each other. And he's, he's ex- extremely effective for mid-range and in defensively. But, but a Asijin is such a great shooter. I mean, he sh- his range is limitless. Yep. And I got to imagine Lincoln Hales is too and, and Joey Hart, which gets us right into Linton. You got them, Barney? I do have Linton. And that's what, you know, you talk about Lincoln Hale and, and – Joey Hart, who's a sophomore, their ability to not only, I mean, they have range from anywhere, but it's their ability to put the ball on the ground and get to the rim that's going to benefit Linton immensely. Um, You know, head coach Joey Hart, he's got his stars, but he does such a great job of developing his role players to fit around those stars that they don't miss beats. And honestly, I think going forward, you're going to see Joey Hart, the player who is going to end up being better than Lincoln Hale. To me, that's done. Yeah. (laughs) Just, I like him that much. I mean, I really like him and he's, I don't, you know, I'm not, I love his athleticism too. His first, his first step going in either direction is phenomenal for a kid of any age, let alone a kid his age. Well, and it's, you know, not just the first step, but his, his, his jump is so quick. I mean, when yep. he jumps, he is up, you know, and that's just watching some of his highlights this year, his ability to dunk. I mean, for a sophomore in this Southern part of the state, I've not seen it uh, outside of, you know, a few kids, but I mean, his, and Joey Hart was a good athlete in his, in his prime, you know, back in high school, played at Coastal Carolina, VU. So he gets, you know, Joey Hart, I call him junior, junior, but uh, he gets it honestly. And he's, he's worked hard to get to where he's at. I like, but they don't have any. Yeah, go ahead. I was uh, coached against him. I was a JV coach at at eminence. I coached against the Duggar teams and then, and then got a chance to coach against Joey too, as he started to branch out and be his own head coach. So, yeah. You know, the one, the one limit. I would say they're going to get a they got a, they're going to get a contribution from Brandon Walters, which is a six foot four inch freshman. Yes, and one yes. of the sophomores and, moved. I Logan, I don't know if it was Logan Webb. One of them moved to Northview. So that, I think it was Webb because he was originally from Northview. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was that was conveyed as well that he mm-hmm. was originally the guy that moved to Northview was originally from Northview. I, I yes. get the other two kids confused because they, they played on the same summer team with, with Joey. 
and just yeah. um they both were good i just i knew one of them moved and i can't remember the other one's name so but Br- brandon walters yeah. will certainly contribute for them mm-hmm. as well and they do they do have a, a six five six six kid but he's going to be primarily a role player for them in yeah. that so well, let's finish off two way with blackhawk zach what do you got for them Besides uh, the obvious. Yeah, I don't know too much about Blackhawk. Do they have anybody that's that's decent or well I mean well I mean certainly yeah. I mean besides <laughs> Caleb. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so they have Caleb first. Obviously revolves everything revolves around him there. Uh Purdue commitment. Inside game, can shoot it from the outside though, rebounds like crazy, gives anybody in two A fits, uh, as he did in one A, I would assume it'll be the same for two A. Uh, but then they have Zane Burke who can shoot from outside. They have Marcus Davidson who can shoot from outside. So really good inside outside team. I mean, then they have Luke LaGrange who can rebound uh, the Boyer kid who can rebound as well. A couple horses like that. I mean, pretty good all around team, obviously for, for Blackhawk. I, I think they'll get more depth from Josh's younger brother and yep. and gate sefton sefton's father used to be the head coach at blackhawk before davison took over um you know it'll be it'll be interesting you know they against silver creek last year this is the one time i saw them play during the school season and once once silver creek was able to get first on an island which was basically just putting cooper jacoby on him once, once they were able to not have to double him every time, Burke and Davidson really struggled. And Silver Creek was down early. Kaufman was struggling. Jacoby, Cooper Jacoby sort of, sort of tightened up the ship a little bit, kept that thing from completely going down. And then they, as they sort of inched their way back, the second half they took control and Burke and Davidson re- really struggled. And, Look, Silver Creek is – they're more than just two players, so it's not not strange to see. But then you look at how complete some of these other teams are in terms of their personnel. You know, those guys are going to have to carry their weight. I don't think first is going to be dominant enough to just go out and beat Linton, just go out and beat Central Noble, beat a healthy Shenandoah. To me, those four schools, though, stand out from the rest of the class. But if they can get – like we were talking about with Asijan and Hale, for example, if any one of those like Burke or, or the younger first or Sefton, if any of those guys can be reliable defenders, reliable, even lockdown defenders or guys that can at least keep their, their man from catching the ball, you know, that'll be a huge help for their ability to come out and win a two way state championship, you know, but, I mean, clearly first is good enough to carry them. Right. But it's not going to be as easy as we think, I don't think, with with the types of numbers these other teams can throw out in terms of offensive options. And that's where I wonder if if Burke and, and Davidson, if teams can figure out a way to either not – maybe not neutralize first – but not throw, not have to throw as many resources around him. Then maybe those guys aren't going to, wouldn't be able to contribute the 13, 14 points a game that they do. I, 
I don't know, just trying to figure out ways to beat them here in advance. Not that I have to worry about it because they're, you know, that's a, it's a two A school and when tournament time comes, I'll be probably watching four A. So. Right. But it's one of those situations, you know, as a coach, do you go in and you say, Hey, all right, we're going to let first get his 40 points, but we're not going to let everybody else get their average of 15. You know, one of those situations. If you've got, yeah, if you've got the bodies to do it, like central noble may have some bodies to do that because they've got some other kids of decent size that, that can play, you know, Linton, Linton, if they've got some additional size, can probably do that. Shenandoah can has some bodies they can throw at them. Right. Uh, I, mean, I mean, certainly first is the, you know, the irresistible force in this in this class. I mean, we'll you know, we'll, I mean, we'll get a chance to see how it plays out. Hopefully, I, I know I was looking forward to Shenandoah Blackhawk State Finals. I, I'm not. No indifference to Coach Hart. I'm still looking for a healthy Shenandoah being able to play Blackhawk. That would be my dream matchup. Just I think Shenandoah's got so many weapons. And and you know, that would just be well, I mean, hell Linton Shenandoah semi-state would be a great game to watch too. So right. Anybody we're missing team wise. I know we went a lo- little long on this one, but um on, at least on the two A stuff. Any anybody that we're missing two A wise that we just I would throw Paoli in there down here in the okay. south part of the state. Uh Brett Bosley. Bosley, yeah, 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 and and they do a good job of putting stuff around him. But once again, it's one of those things: how far can he actually carry them? Yeah. Westview, Zach, were you looking nah, at them? I was a little bit. Uh, maybe Bowman, Bowman Academy with Karan Davis. Yes. Uh, I think Marquette Catholic's going to be kind of sneaky good this year, but. But we'll see about that too. They're a little. They young. may be a year away, right? Yeah, definitely could be a year away. But I would be surprised if they ended up maybe winning their sectional this year too. The Bowman's in their sectional, so is Andrean. So, yeah, it'll be those three teams. I feel like in that sectional, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Marquette Catholic didn't win that one. But like I said, we said a year away probably though. And I look at like Heritage Christian in Indianapolis, who returns everybody. They have a new coach they'll probably play a little bit more up tempo. They'll have a freshman or a sophomore in, in miles Colvin, who has the offer from Miami of Ohio, who will get certainly more opportunities this year to, to be productive. Covenant Christian is a team that's going to be a good combination of, I mean, they'll have their football players that come out for basketball. Trey flat is a, is a very good basketball player. Those teams, you know, parked, I mean, university too. We don't, we didn't have them in this top 15 and, you know, they're going to be as tested as anybody. Sectional 42 with Covenant Christian, Heritage Christian, Park Tudor, University. To me, that's the toughest. Sectional, maybe Evansville, Matter Die. Barney wanted me to look at Evansville, Matter Die. Well, the thing about Modern Day is, is they're always, you, from year to year, they change, even though they have the same personnel, but they seem to change the way that they play. So I, I don't ever count them out just because they, they've got great size. They normally have three or two or three kids that are six, five, six, six that are good athletes. Yeah. So I won't count I, them out, but you, you were talking about that before we were recorded. And I, it reminds me of Ron Colley who has to play at the, you know, it was four a school. So they've got to come, you know, they got to play against the giants, but, but, 
they played juniors and seniors pretty much exclusively every year. And, you know, the next year they've mm-hmm. always got a new group of juniors. There's always two or three of them that we don't know much about. I mean, obviously we get to some JV games and, and we see them in AAU, but, or at least I do, but, but they're kids that, you know, you really don't know what they're going to be like when there's, you know, when they're juniors, because it's up to then it's JV and he doesn't really mix them up a whole lot. Right. And you know, a lot of it is because they just, they're so interchangeable, but, but that group, Ron Colley, they're just, he just always trucks out about 13 wins a year, sometimes a little bit more. And every now and then he sneaks in a, a D2 or D1 caliber player, you know, and they, they, you know, they go you know, 19 and four or 19 and three, you know, whatever that right. 22 game math is. But yeah, so I, you know, any, any players, any outstanding players that we've overlooked? I mean, I know there's going to be some upcoming kids, but I'm talking like. Yeah, I mentioned Tron Davis, Brett yeah, Coleman, Brett Harris. Miles Colvin was one with an offer that's. Miles Colvin, we've Brett Bosley was one. Um, I mean, I think that's it, right? Yeah. We're going to overlook somebody here. Christian Johnson at, at Park Heritage is a really good sophomore point guard. I wonder about their depth as I was as we were putting this list together. Uh, but but that's definitely a kid that to to keep an eye on. He had a good freshman year, and I expect him to just continue to up his production. That's the consolidation of uh, Rockville and and um, Turkey Run. Yes, My which I think I. Oh, that's your dad's Nisco Woods. Kinda. Kinda. Growing up, he lived out there. He lived out on Raccoon Lake, so I spent a lot oh. of time. Spent a lot of time out there. Nice area. It is not bad. But I think I think in 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 the western part of the state, Park Heritage, you will definitely have to look at. Uh, but it's like Zach alluded to earlier: typical five A school or two A school with you know five guys with a couple guys coming in and giving minutes. It's the unfortunate part. Yeah, and two other kids in Blackhawk sectional, Weston uh, Hamby from Manchester, and then Sycophus yeah, from Whitco. Yeah. Both those guys put up large numbers, but both those guys are in the same sectional as Blackhawk, and they're not getting out. I mean, there's – you know, Wabash was extremely good last year with with with, um, Sorry, with yeah. the Trent – with Trent, Do- Trent Daughtry. Yeah. And, you know, Wabash had won the sectional the year before, and then here comes Blackhawk – and there's, you know, they just weren't going to be, they weren't going to be able to get, get over that hump. And Whitco and Manchester, I don't know, team-wise, they'll be as good as Wabash was last year. But those two kids, Hamby and Sikafus, are both certainly, certainly productive players. So, yeah. well, I think that's going to be it for this podcast. We are from from our production, st- on the production side, that we're going to move everybody over to the next podcast, episode forty. Thanks for listening.